Now, as John told us before the service began, we are taking this time to have fellow church members share, share with us about the, the vitality, the strength of God to see us through a difficult time or to transform us, to inspire hope. And so it's my privilege today to interview Jameson and Steve Whitley. And just, just a word before we begin to say that some of you may remember how back, it was about two years ago, the Whitleys stood before our congregation on a Sunday morning and told us that Jameson was pregnant, but they also shared the news that they had received a devastating report about the health of the child she was carrying. And I and others were so inspired by their openness and their willingness to share something so personal with all of us and to ask for our prayer that, um, that they really, I think, did a marvelous work um, among our congregation. And so we've asked them back today to share with us about God, how God was faithful during that time and both before and afterwards. So thank you for being here. And to start off, um, how about if you just tell us a little bit about yourselves, especially for folks who may not know you? Yeah, um, Steve and Jameson, uh, we have a little girl named Anna Grace who's four years old, quite uh, rambunctious and spunky. You'll probably see her running around. Um, we also have a four-month-old little girl, beautiful little girl named Samantha. Um, I'm from Rocky Mount, about an hour east of here. Jameson's from a little town outside of Charlotte called Waxhaw. Uh, we both went to NC State. Um, I studied mechanical engineering and Jameson studied industrial engineering. Uh, and although we were in school at the same time uh, studying engineering, we didn't meet until, our, um, until we were co-workers. So we both started uh, working at a local pharmaceutical manufacturing plant and that's where we met. Um, so we've actually known each other for over 20 years. Um, shortly after I started working there, um, Steve invited me to join a Bible study. And at the time in my life, um, I was not following um, Christ, and I really had no Christian friends. But um, I was very much searching to decide if the faith that I was raised with was true. Um, and as it turned out, um, I heard the gospel for the first time um, through that Bible study and have been following Christ ever since. Um, so different jobs um, took us in different directions, um, but we actually reconnected about six years ago and have been married for five. Um, we actually ran into each other, believe it or not, at the parking deck of the airport in Raleigh. So it's quite, um, God has been in our story for a very long time. So um, Anna Grace is your first child. And from what I understand, when you were pregnant with Anna Grace, um, everything went smoothly. Yes. So, but also, sorry, no. uh, but afterwards, there were several other pregnancies that did not go smoothly. And would you be willing to share with us about those? Yes. Um, so when Anna Grace was nine months old, we found out we were expecting another child. Um, but when we went in for an early ultrasound, we found out that we had miscarried. And of course, that was heartbreaking for us. Um, but God had put um, a strong desire in us um, to have another child, so we tried again. And we ended up having three early miscarriages in a row. 
Um, during that time, we sought the help of our doctors, and there were no known causes that anyone could pinpoint um, for the difficulties um, that we were having in staying pregnant. So when we found out again that we were expecting in early 2019, um, and that we had almost made it through the first trimester, we were overjoyed. And I remember after I found out I was pregnant, um, the Holy Spirit just impressed upon me um, that I was to fight for this child and to not lose hope. And mm. that really helped me in the weeks and the months to come. Um, at our 10-week ultrasound, our doctors noticed an abnormality and they sent us to um, a specialist for further evaluation. And just a few weeks after that, it was confirmed that our, um, our child um, was diagnosed with trisomy 18 and that that child was a little girl. Um, we named her Evelyn Elizabeth Whitley and we chose her name based on the meaning. Um, Evelyn means wanted or longed for and Elizabeth means promise of God. So we um, chose to call her Evie. Now, can you tell us a little bit more about Evie's diagnosis? Yeah, so uh, trisomy 18 is a chromosomal abnormality where there's an extra 18th chromosome. Um, typically, when you start talking about extra chromosomes, people think about Down syndrome. Um, down syndrome, named for Dr. Downs, is when there's an extra 21st chromosome. Edwards syndrome, uh, which is trisomy 18, that named for Dr. Edwards, is when there's an extra 18th chromosome. Um, most people are more familiar with Down syndrome because even though people with Downs uh, have challenges, they're typically not insurmountable. Um, however, with Edwards syndrome, greater than 60% of the children uh, are stillborn, and uh, those who do survive the birth, the typical life expectancy is less than 14 days. Hmm. Now, what advice did your doctors give you? Yeah, so once we got that diagnosis, there's really only uh, two paths to choose hmm. from. Um, one is to have an abortion and, and terminate the pregnancy, and the other is to uh, just go forward and sort of hmm. uh, just ride it out. And um, we, it was a pretty easy decision for us to make because we realized that we didn't determine when her life began. Um, I mean, we do our part, but it's up to God to determine mm -hmm. when life starts. And so we felt like it wasn't up to us to determine when her life would end. So um, we decided to, to go forward and, and ride it out. And of course, once you pick you know, make that choice, then the doctor said, okay, well, here's the next steps. And what followed was months of appointments. I think we had an ultrasound like every two weeks. Um, we met with maternal fetal medicine, pediatric cardiologist who would look at Evie's heart and, and the development of her heart. Um, we, we went and met with the NICU at Wake Med and toured the NICU in anticipation of possibly spending, you know, some days there. Um, it was uh, it, it was just a lot to, to go through over those those coming months. You know, all the doctors and the, the staff, the medical staff that we came into contact um, with, were so extremely mm -hmm. supportive and um, of our decision to carry the child. And 
We, uh, we know from having friends who've walked a similar path that that's not always the norm. So we were, we were so humbly grateful for the care that we received and the support from our doctors. Yeah. Now, I'm sure there were others that you sought out for advice. Can, can you tell us about that? Yeah, um, well, I think first and foremost, the reason why we're here in front of this group, um, we, we turn to God. Um, I think anytime you're in a, a situation like this, a crisis, you uh, cry out, and uh, we, we certainly did. Um, just uh, so, so we prayed a lot um, and, and turned to God for help. And uh, we really believe he answered that uh, because even though it was such a difficult season and, and over those months of appointments, there were so many things that God did to help us along the way. And, um, you know, it's kind of like you're in the wilderness, but you're getting manna. You're getting that daily bread to sustain you. I mean, he didn't take us out of the wilderness. We still had to go through it. But he did sustain us uh, with those graces along the way. And and one of them is uh, we actually have friends. I have some friends from Rocky Mount who uh, had actually walked this path before. Um, So I... Part of me would say coincidentally, but I don't think it was a coincidence at all. Um, but uh, Eric and Ruth, friends of mine from Rocky Mount, they had a little girl named Pearl. Similar uh, situation, she was not supposed to survive the birth. Uh, they were told to prepare, you know, once she was born, that she would last just a few minutes. And um, she, she lived to be five, and she, she passed away. She had actually passed in the spring of, of 2018. So. This was right after that, on the heels of that. So immediately, once they heard about our situation, they reached out and uh, they prayed with us. And we, uh, we talked a lot on a regular basis as they helped kind of walk us through what to expect. Um, one of the things that uh, really hit me hard as the months went on through that pregnancy was thinking about the, uh, the potential decisions that would have to be made um, health care decisions and uh, my friend Eric was telling me about near the end of Pearl's life he made the choice to put her on a ventilator and eventually he had to turn it off mm-hmm. and you know none of this is easy but I don't know how you do that <laughs> so, uh, so yeah that, that really was uh, concerning for me, thinking about how to make the right choices. And uh, Wright Wall, who was on staff here at the time, he put me in touch with one of his professors at Gordon-Conwell, who um, teaches a Christian ethics class and, and basically specializes in like end-of-life decisions and, and how you kind of navigate those things. And he was great. He, uh, he gave me his personal cell phone number. He talked to me several times and sent me books. And he, he told me, he said, um, you can never be prepared for every possible scenario. So what I want to do is give you a biblical framework so that you can sort of think through whatever you may face to figure out, you know, what, what's the right decision. But, um, but you know, those, those are just a, a few examples of help that we got where I think it was just God providing for us and and sustaining us. And we truly felt the range of emotions um, most days and often 
different emotions at the same time. Um, we continually found ourselves traveling two parallel paths. Um, one was continued hope um, because throughout the pregnancy, we knew that God could still heal Evie in this life, and we prayed for that. Uh, we prayed for a miracle alongside many in this uh, church up until the very end. Um, the other path was uh, grief as we made preparations if she was not healed in this life and you know, all that that entails. So we um, already had a relationship with a local Christian counselor, so we started seeing her weekly, and she's an amazing woman of God um, and has helped us in countless ways through this, uh, this season. And one of the things that she encouraged me to do was be intentional um, to focus on joy during my pregnancy and not allow the grief to consume me. Um, one of the reasons why I chose to follow this path was so that I wouldn't pass on any unnecessary stress uh, to mm -hmm. Evie, and so I could focus on um, enjoying her while I had her. Um, what that looked like for me practically was just a constant dance between um, hope and joy and grief and sadness, and it was often a difficult balance. Um, but I did focus on the things that brought me life and joy for Evie's benefit, um, like feeling her move, which um, I treasured. And we believe um, this, this allowed <clears throat> us to love Evie well while she was with us um, as best we could and for as long as we could. So we were constantly praying over her and telling her how much she was loved and wanted. Um, so in the midst of, of great sorrow, I turned my focus to finding the joy in um, those, those precious moments because there was joy in the moments even though there was also grief. Um, another thing that God did is um, he directed us to several uh, scriptures to help anchor our, our souls um, during this time. In one such verse, um, he gave us the night before our last set of appointments, um, before Evie was born. Um, I was sitting quietly, just praying, listening, um, and a verse about sowing with tears and reaping with joy popped into my mind. Um, I had to look it up, and it was Psalm 126, uh, hmm. verses 5 and 6 that we just heard read. Um, it says, those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. This reminded me of redemption and that our present suffering is uh, not the end of the story. Um, it was a great comfort. Um, it was a great hope to me in the moments of intense grief. And um, the next day we had... Um, our last ultrasound, we were all in the exam room um, and we noticed a post-it note that was sitting on the computer monitor. Um, it was kind of random. Um, but we looked and it, it said literally in all caps and exclamation points, um, choose joy. Um, mm. Well, I immediately thanked God for the little reminders um, that there can be joy even in the midst of times of great suffering and grief. And knowing that God was with us um, helped us process this enormous um, amount of, of, of burden and grief that we had.
So another source of um, support that we had, we actually had a bereavement doula um, that shared our faith. And um, what she does is she helps walk families through um, uh, and support families through a, a loss of their child, whether that be through miscarriage or stillbirth or um, a diagnosis like ours. And she helped me think through and to prepare for the birth and to really make my um, the most of the time that I had had with Evie. Um, so her personal experience and her professional training uh, ministered to me so deeply um, during that time. And of course, we also reached out um, immediately to the clergy here at Holy Trinity um, to let them know what was happening. And um, I met with Claudia weekly for prayer. Um, and about once a month, uh, just an amazing group of people um, from the Healing Prayer Ministry team mm -hmm. came to our home for extended time of prayer. Um, and they ministered to us so well. It was such a gift and a blessing. Now, just for a moment, let's, let's go back to that Sunday. It was May 2019 when you stood before the congregation and you shared this news. Uh, can you tell us what kind of response did you get? Love. Um, they just loved us well. You loved us well. Um, you know, especially those on the Healing Prayer Ministry team um, who joined with us in praying fervently for a miracle for Evie. Um, on the day of my scheduled induction, um, an all-day prayer vigil was set up by the church so we would have continuous uh, prayer coverage the day Evie mm. was born. Uh, so many of, of you cried with us, um, hugged us regularly, gave us beautiful things um, that they had painted, um, sat and listened to us, uh, sent us encouraging scripture, and flowers and books and keepsakes and calligraphy and meals and notes of encouragement. It just overflowed. Um, our brothers and sisters were present with us and um, as they lived out Galatians 6-2 uh, that we also heard read, uh, bear one another's burdens so, and so fulfill the law of Christ. So no matter how people chose to express it, um, the Holy Trinity members pressed in and did not run away. Uh, we were truly blessed to have friends and family and as, and as well as our, our precious church family stand with us in our joys mm -hmm. and our darkest moments. And we know without a shadow of a doubt that this was God's provision for us. Now you talk about um, God healing Evie. Can you tell us how he chose to do that? Yeah, we... We never had any doubt that God would heal her. Um, mm. We just didn't know if it would be in this life or in the next. Um, and you know, I'm I'm a, I'm a fixer, so I don't like to be helpless. But uh, but uh, mm. for months, it was just a lot of just helplessness to know that there was nothing I could do. You just kind of riding this thing out and. Um, so uh, our doctor of maternal fetal medicine said, "Well, look." If you just wait to go into labor naturally in the middle of the night, uh, you don't really have any control, and you guys haven't had any control over anything for the last several months. So you're 38 and a half weeks, if you want, we can schedule an induction. That way you can have your family and your clergy and everybody meet you at the hospital and have your support structure in place. So, so that's what we did. We, 
We scheduled an induction um, September 12th, 2019, and uh, we went to the hospital um, to, to finally meet our, our little girl. And um, we, we got in the room, in the delivery room with the nurses and the doctor, and um, Jameson had her phone with some praise and worship playing softly in the background. And the, uh, our doctor came in and said, listen, I don't normally do this, but I just feel led to do it today. And he asked us all to join hands, with the nurses included, and he prayed uh, for us. Mm. And uh, then everything was set, got in position, and uh, he started to, to check uh, Jameson and Evie, and uh, Evie's heart stopped. Um, they left the room and gave us some time to, to be alone and um, breathe a bit. And um, you know, we, we are very aware now, more than ever, that we say things like these are our children and it implies a sense of ownership, but they're not ours, they're his. They're, these are God's children and he's entrusted us as stewards to care for them and to love them as well as we can for a time that he allows. And that's the best we can do, is just love them as best we can for the time that we've been given. Um, yeah. So that day was such a mixture um, of sweetness and sadness. Um, it's, really, it's really hard to put into words. Um, but I remember um, as Evie was born, <clears throat> it, was, it was dusk, so the sun was setting, and um, the sun was actually coming into the hospital room, um, and it just lit things up. And it just, it just seemed um, to remind me that, of God's presence. I mean, it was, it was very tangible, um, the sun just manifesting itself like that. Um, Claudia baptized Evie, and we all sang, Jesus Loves Me, um, like we normally do. Um, and then our daughter, Anna Grace, uh, just spontaneously started singing a solo afterwards. Um, she sang Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star um, in, in, in her normal extroverted fashion to um, express her love for her sister. Um, we all watched, and there wasn't a dry eye in the room. It was, it was truly a holy experience um, for all of us. And uh, our doctor who uh, delivered Evie, of course he had to leave and do other deliveries and things, and, um, but he, he said when he left, he said, he gave us his cell number and said, call, because I want to come back and participate. So he, he actually came back and participated in the baptism. Mm -hmm. And what did God do next? Well, um, after a little time, you know, I was ready to have the conversation with Steve um, about it, what we were going to do about if we were going to try again for another child. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we didn't even enter into this discussion lightly. Um, as part of our process, we, uh, we consulted with a fertility specialist again. Um, with our case and, you know, talked about the chances of having um, a healthy child. 
And um, I was actually ready before Steve was. Um, once Steve and I had the conversation and I knew he wasn't ready, um, I dropped it. And mm -hmm. I just continued to pray fervently. Um, he had to hear from God on his own. Um, and we would not move forward um, unless we were both on the same page. So about three months after um, that, he was ready. A big part of our decision was accepting that if we moved forward, um, we could have another outcome like we had just walked through. Mm. And ultimately, we decided the possibility of having a healthy child was worth the risk because we knew that God was with us and he would see us through. We also knew, um, or we also were in agreement that this was the final try. So whatever happened, happened. <clears throat> And shortly thereafter, we conceived Samantha. And the name Samantha, I had been reading the stories to Anna Grace at night um, about Bible heroes, female Bible heroes. And one of them was a story about Hannah and how in the Old Testament she prays for a child. And um, she has Samuel. And she names him Samuel and says, name means God heard my prayer. So I told Jameson, if this works out, we do have a child. It's a boy. We want to call him Samuel. And then when we found out it was a girl, we said, well, Samantha's sort of the female version of Samuel. So <laughs> that's how we got there. Well, and Samantha's middle name is Jean, and it's actually my mom and Steve's mom's middle name. Um, and, and Jean means God is gracious. So... Um, God has indeed heard our prayer and has been gracious um, to us. Now, as we, as we draw to a close, what would you like us to take away from your testimony? Yeah, um, we, don't, we don't get to miss the wilderness. We don't get to miss the, the, the difficult times, but we can trust that God will sustain us and provide for us through it. Um, we look back at all those things, the doctors, the, I mean, just so many graces that, that God provided to, to get us through and to help us. Uh, he is faithful in that way. Um, just this week, I was watching the news and I was watching bodies being pulled out of the rubble in Haiti from the earthquake and then the, the planes taken off from the Air Force and uh, airport in Kabul and there's like people clinging to the planes and falling um, and I get this feeling in my stomach and it was uh, I guess a little triggering for me because it felt the exact same way when I went to the funeral home to pick out that little casket and to make arrangements for my daughter and there's this overwhelming sense that this is not right like, this is not how it's supposed to be. And we all know that. Uh, e even people who aren't, don't share our faith and aren't believers know that this is not right. Um, and when we were, in, we were going to see our counselor during the pregnancy, she asked the question about, what do you think Jesus would say to you if he was here right now? And we talked about how he would say, this is not right, and he hates it. And it is for this very thing that he came and suffered and died to fix it, to make it right. And he will make it right one day. Um, 
that's why we can choose joy. That's why we can have hope. Um, is because we know he's going to come back and he's going to fix this one day. Yeah, and, and also, you know, when we experience a loss, not, not if, and that's true for all of us, uh, there can be great healing when um, others are, are allowed to walk with you, um, bearing witness to our grief. Um, so we didn't censor our feelings, uh, but allowed God to minister uh, to us through his people. And that made all of the difference um, to allow people in to bear our burdens alongside us. Yeah, and um, bearing one another's burdens, there is a something, something strong that happens when you do that. Um, our counselor talked about this. Uh, psychologists have noticed for years that when soldiers fight in war together, struggle in life or death situations alongside one another, there's a uh, bond that's formed that is uh, uniquely strong. Um, and in our marriage, um, you know, just crying night after night together and praying together, um, when we bear one another's burdens, we come alongside one another in these times, it is uh, remarkably bonding and strengthening. And for a church, for a church family, I think that's why it's so important for us to bear one another's burdens and, and to come mm -hmm. alongside when someone's hurting and struggling um, because that's exactly what our lives were intended for. Um, you know, from the very beginning, we were created in the image of a Trinitarian God, a God of community and relationship and connection, and our souls were meant for that. And I think one of the graces of this life is that when we get to suffer alongside one another, we build those bonds and fulfill that law of Christ. And um, lastly, we, we don't want uh, people to think that because we had a successful pregnancy uh, with Samantha, that that is our victory. Um, as believers, uh, Christ, um, believers in Christ, Jesus is the greatest gift, the gift of God himself. Um, and so either way our circumstances um, turn out, we win a great victory uh, as we walk with him. So yes, we're beyond thankful for Samantha and it has deepened our love and our trust in God. But the same is also true for us having Evelyn and the three other children that we lost before her. Um, so looking back, we, we have no regrets. I wanna thank you for sharing this with all of us. Um, it's very moving. Uh, we've learned a lot, and as we were reading Psalm 100 together earlier, the last verse um, just really stood out for me. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his faithfulness endures from generation to generation, and you have shown us what that looks like in your lives, and I thank you on behalf of all of us for that. So as we draw to a close, I'd like to... Uh, pray again. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jameson and Steve's transparency with us and for how they persevered in believing in your goodness and faithfulness during a very difficult season in their life. And we give you praise and thanks for how you sustained them throughout. 
Help each of us to choose to believe you are who you say you are and that you stand with us no matter what we encounter in life. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I invite you to stand for the song of praise.